Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up Inspiring Health Stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do. Go ahead and hit subscribe right there on YouTube. Turn on those notifications and connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to stay connected with you. Now, today we are going to meet a truly incredible woman. She's an emergency medicine physician right there on the front lines of this pandemic. Her name is Dr. Naomi JB. And today she shared with me some really important information. One stat I'll share is that 300 to 400 medical professionals die by suicide every year. That was pre-pandemic. So we're talking about help mental health for medical professionals, as well as help for them as they go through burnout and just face challenge after challenge, pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and post-pandemic. So this is a conversation you're not going to want to miss. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, I'm so excited today to welcome Dr. Naomi JB to the show. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's so nice to meet you virtually for the first time. I know we've connected via LinkedIn previously, and I've been seeing a lot of the great work you're doing there and how you're promoting uh, Hope for Med and also what you do. So I'm excited to dive in and learn a little bit more about Dr. JB. <laughs> awesome. So I'm so you. happy to be here. Thank you so much. No, you. Thank you. Thank you. So, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, right now. Okay. Well, I am a board-certified emergency medicine physician, and I am working in Florida, which is the epicenter ah. of COVID currently. I grew up in Florida. I grew up in um, an area called Pine Hills in Florida and left for schooling. And I went to North Carolina. I went to Duke University for my undergraduate training and I stayed on for medical school. And so I am a double Dukie. Um, <laughs> and then I continued on and went to New York Presbyterian for my residency and uh, ended up working my way back down to Florida. And here I am with my family. So tell me a little bit about your path after medical school um, and kind of how that evolved. I know you, you briefly touched on it, but I'd love to know a little bit more about your path and at what point Hope for Med came in. My path to emergency medicine is, is interesting because when I started medical school, I wanted to be a pediatrician. I actually wanted to be a pediatrician for most of my life. And I started medical school, did my medical school training. And after I did my rotation peds, I realized eh, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not peds. Um, and so I, I, I really had this passion for international medicine. 
And so I thought, oh, then maybe I'll go ahead and do internal medicine and then go on and do an infectious disease fellowship. That's kind of the path that a lot of people do when they're interested in, in global medicine and, and whatnot, global health. And so I was a third year in medical school um, going down this path. I was actually actively writing my um, my um, um my statement for why I want to go into internal medicine when the earthquake in Haiti happened. And, um, and I'm from Haiti, you know, I was born in Haiti, but raised in the States. And so I remember vividly sitting in front of my computer and just watching the national palace just destroyed. And I said, I have to get down there. Lucky for me, as a third year at Duke, um, it's our research year. So I had some flexibility in my schedule and the um, staff there were, were amazing and they really supported me. And I was able to, within a week of the quake, I found myself in Haiti, you know, I was determined and I got down there. Um, and working in Haiti, after the quake, you were seeing so many people of all ages. I had, I saw babies, I saw elderly, saw pregnant women, I saw patients coming in with like fractures and all sorts of things that you would see with post-earthquake, right? You know, even though there's a natural disaster, people, you know, that we were seeing were not just there because they got injured from the earthquake, right? They had, you know, flare-ups of their congestive heart failure. Like they, there were right. regular morbidities that we were seeing in addition to all that trauma from, you know, um, musculoskeletal injuries from the earthquake. And so I remember working with a variety of different healthcare professionals, surgeons, um, and emergency medicine docs, because I did not know much about emergency medicine. Um, you know, of course, there was the show ER when I watched a couple of those episodes, but I wasn't really, you know, too into it. And I remember being like, what kind of doctor would I need to be to be able to have the skill sets to be able to respond to a natural disaster or humanitarian crisis like this? And to have the flexibility in my schedule to allow me to be able to do that. And, you know, everyone kept saying, well, everyone, but most of them kept saying, ah, emergency medicine, emergency mm. medicine. And so that's how I got introduced to emergency medicine. And so I had not done a rotation in emergency medicine or anything like that. And so after I got back from Haiti, I said, all right, I want to be an emergency medicine doctor. And then, you know, signed up for rotations in the ER at Duke and, um, and then went down the path. Uh, so you were there and that really kind of lit a fire in you as far as, okay, this is what gets me excited. This is what makes me feel passionate about responding to a humanitarian type of crisis like this, where I can really, really help and use my yeah. skill set. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because my goal, I wanted to be a world-renowned international emergency medicine physician. That was, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I loved I loved global health, you know, and remember I was like, oh, I'm gonna go internal medicine, then infectious disease and be able to do global uh, medicine. But I realized through emergency medicine, I could do that. And that was initially my, my plan. And so from there, I, um, became like a global health fellow through, through Duke's program. I 
internet, the World Health Organization um, in Geneva, Switzerland. And I was well on that path towards that, you know, international um, medicine pathway. And did that change? Is that what I'm hearing? That changed, yeah, it changed changed slightly. Um, You know, residency, I feel like I had more time to do things that I was passionate about in medical school than I had in residency. Residency was was a challenge. And so I I went to New York and I had all the intentions of like really still being involved, getting involved in the UN and whatnot. And quite honestly, I had to focus to keep my head above water, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I tell you, you don't know much when you graduate from medical school, you don't know. And it's terrifying, right? Because before in um, medical school, you had this barrier you know, um, between you and the patient, right? Like what you did didn't necessarily touch the patient. You know, it was like pretend work almost, right? You know, it had to be cleared. Like you couldn't put orders in the computer. You know, everything had to be cleared through the residence before your your suggestions would ever reach a patient. But now you're the resident and that buffer isn't there anymore. And you're like, you know, always second guessing yourself like, oh, you know, is this the right, is this the right, right dose of Tylenol how much you know like like eat the, the slightest things like the smallest things you're you're guessing yourself and so it was a struggle um and so I, I I wasn't able to pursue some of those things and then I I met my husband um and then you know we got married and had children and when I became a mother I I had to 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 make a decision and you know the world was changing and these humanitarian crises were becoming more complex humanitarian crises right where you weren't necessarily safe because you're a healthcare professional right you could just wave that white flag and oh i'm a doctor and you know you don't don't kidnap me don't shoot me don't do any of those things right, right. um and i had these young children and so i was like well do i really want to pursue that well i have a baby you know, now I have two, but so I, I'm a mother too, you know, do I really want to put myself in that situation knowing that I could potentially, you know, not be here to, to raise my right. kids? Um, did I want that? And I realized in, in that moment, no, what was more important to me was being around for my, my kids. And so, you know, I, I put that on the back burner and, you know, I've got a job in the U.S. and, you know, took care of patients here. Okay, and tell me what you're doing now in Florida. So now I'm working full time as an emergency medicine doctor. I'm in the front lines. I worked last night. Um, wow. And but with everything that's been going on, um, you know, with COVID, and even before, I, I clearly remember in residency, I would leave a patient's room after. a a code so somebody came in they were unresponsive they didn't have a heartbeat or anything like that and you know we did we we worked our hardest trying to revive them and we were unsuccessful and so i remember stepping out of this room um and and in the hospital there were like curtains there weren't doors so i stepped out of the curtain and i'm you know in a sea of other patients that need me and there was a patient came up behind me saying oh i need pain medications and I just remember, you know, it was almost like a dissociative experience where I was like, is this really my life? Like hmm. this, I just had this experience with this patient. This patient is asking me for 
pain medications. Like, you know, I can't explain to this patient who's asking for pain medications what just happened to this patient because it's a HIPAA violation, right? And so, you know, but I'm just like, well, I don't even have time to process what just happened here, right? Because I have to take care of this patient and then I have a you know waiting room full of other patients that I need to take care of. So when do we process these experiences? So that was that's the setup before COVID. And then COVID happens, right? And so with COVID, you have the day-to-day stressors, but now you have this invisible infection that you know you're concerned about catching yourself, right? You're seeing your colleagues getting sick. Um, you're concerned about bringing it home to your family, right? Um, you know, how am I going to keep my husband safe? How am I going to keep my kids safe, right? But I'm a frontline worker. You know, I'm, I, I'm not going to be able to stay home and shelter in place or anything like that. I have to be there to take care of these patients. And so, you know, I clearly remember when COVID first started and I was talking with some of my friends and they said, are you going to continue working? And I was like, of course, of course, that's what I'm trained to do. I am. I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive into that hospital and I'm going to take care of the patients to the best of my ability each and every single day, because that is my job as an emergency medicine physician. Mm. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for what you do, because you know, just like you and so many others on the front lines, right? It, we needed you to say, of course, this is what I'm trained to do. And I want to continue to go to, to work every day um, because without you, you know, where would we be, right? Mm-hmm. Where would you say from, you know, your professional opinion, things are right now versus, you know, a year and a half ago? Well, I'm in Florida, right? So we'll just talk about me being in Florida and what's happening and per a, day in Florida. Yeah, right? yeah as, as am I and, and most of our listeners as, as well. All right, fellow Floridians, yeah. you know, um, the Delta variant is out of control, right? And so, you know, 18 months ago, we would have been like, yeah, it's out of control because it's a new thing. We didn't know and, you know, we don't know what the recommendations are and we don't have a vaccination. We don't have this. We don't have that, right? Oh, are we supposed to wear masks or are we not supposed to wear masks? Like all those things were happening 18 months ago. Here we are today and we're still having these 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 conversations, right? And we're still having these arguments and you know, schools are opening and we're still having these arguments. And meanwhile, if you look at the data, you know, I can tell you where I work, our hospitals are filling up. And that's the scary part, right? It's because, you know, if we have beds to take care of you, we can take care of you to the best of our abilities. But what if we don't? What, don't, what if we don't have space to place you? You know, we have a finite number of, of ventilators. We have a finite number of, you know, materials in general, right? Supplements, oxygen, all those things. What happens when we run out of those things? Is that a possibility? Yeah, it is. It is a possibility. I mean, we have a shortage of nurses, right? Um, and we, again, we just have a finite amount of places to put people, you know? And before 18 months ago, right, it was starting out in like New York, Washington State, you know, there were like these little pockets, right? And so we could mobilize people to go to those pockets to help, 
right? But now it's not in these pockets, right? It's spread, it's all over. So where are you gonna get these extra healthcare professionals to mobilize and go help assist the, their, their colleagues that are tired, mm-hmm. you know, that are exhausted? Where are you gonna get this? And, and the unfortunate thing is that this has become a political battle, right? It's Democrats versus Republicans, whatever. But as somebody in the front lines, you know, I see this every day. I am taking care of young people, you know, people in their 30s and 40s whose oxygen levels are in the 60s, right? And to put that in perspective, where should they be? The auction level should be 95 or higher. So auction levels are in the sick, she's having a hard time breathing. You know, we're giving her tons and tons of supplemental oxygen. So um, that's 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 a terrifying thing, right? When you're when you're seeing patients um, so young, right? Previously healthy, previously healthy. Because before, right, 18 months ago, we were saying, oh, it's people that are not previously healthy, you know, that have some kind of underlying comorbidity or, or, or whatnot that is predisposed or the elderly are predisposed, right? And now we're seeing it in children, we're seeing it in young adults, you know, we're seeing it in middle age, it's everywhere. And the numbers are growing and the Delta variant is, a, is, is more contagious than the, the virus, the variant that was here 18 months ago. Right now, Florida's like this, you know, let's, let's try to flatten it, right? Mm-hmm. So at least if it's flattened, then we're not growing exponentially. And then we flatten it, and then we can go ahead and help bring it back down. Do you think we are in a worse off position today than we were 18 months ago? In terms of what we were talking about as far as the um, hospitals getting overwhelmed? Well, in Florida, yes. You know, because Florida um, is getting hit harder than they had before. You know, our hospitals are fuller than they were before. 18 months ago, we hadn't been battling this virus for 18 months, right? So from the perspective of a healthcare professional, you know, it was, all right, I put on my boxing gloves, let's ta- let's do this, right? right? And we're tired now. And so it's more like... Right, let's put on these gloves again and do this. You know, it's 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 different, you know? Um, and and I think that is also concerning because our healthcare professionals are burning out. They're leaving the profession. Mm. Um, and that's what Hope for Med is is about, it was created to try to combat this. Um, Hope for Med was made the beginning of of this COVID pandemic. Um, and it was initially created to to tackle the day-to-day experiences of healthcare professionals, the pre-COVID experiences of healthcare professionals, right? Yeah. And now we're, we're, we're living in the middle of COVID and seeing this, it's a rapidly increasing um, phenomenon of, of burnout happening amongst healthcare professionals because they're just tired, they're overworked, you know, they're stretching themselves thin, they're getting sick, their loved ones are getting sick, their family members are dying, their husbands or wives are dying. You know, I, mm-hmm. I personally know people who have lived through this experience. And you know what surprises me? 
What? And also, I'm kind of like in awe or impressed by them is that after their loved one died, they came back to work. And a so medical professional after their, a, a medical professional after their loved one died of COVID. Yeah. They came back came to back. work. Came back. Wow. So what is your message as someone, like you said, who sees this every day to to the public, you know, to help, you know, flatten that curve, slow the spread? What is your message? Wear your mask. Wear a mask, right? Um, masks work by helping to limit the amount of viral particles, if you happen to be sick, that you push out into the air, right? Um it honestly does not significantly protect you from somebody else. You know, so if you have a mask on and somebody that's COVID is talking to you, you know, unless you have a like a N95, like one of those special masks, the, the other masks are not as effective, right? But if you have a mask on and they have a mask on, the amount of particles going out into the air to potentially infect you or them is lessened. You know, it's like, you know, having this barrier versus no barrier, right? It's better to have some barrier than no barrier to give you a better fighting chance of not getting sick. So at the minimum, you know, wear a mask. And, you know, in terms of vaccinations, of course I say get vaccinated. I can tell you, um, I mean, yes, I'm vaccinated. Um, I got both of my doses. Of, of, I'm fully vaccinated. Um, but I am seeing differences in patients who come to the hospital that were vaccinated versus not vaccinated. Um, first, most of the patients I'm taking care of are not vaccinated. You know, it's again, I'm not, I'm not political. I'm just telling you the facts. Most of the patients that come to the emergency department are not vaccinated. There are some that are vaccinated. The other day I took care of a, a woman in her mid eighties who was vaccinated, diagnosed with COVID, but she wasn't my 37 year old who was short of breath with oxygens in the sixties that was not vaccinated. She was an 85 year old with oxygens 95, not short of breath. Mm. Her vaccination status prevented her from presenting to me as the emergency medicine doctor, like that 37 year old mother of Mm -hmm. several kids get vaccinated, but at the minimum wear a mask, have your kids wear a mask, go to school with a mask, go out with a mask, you know, let's just unify or unite, you know, as a people, as a country, you know, we say USA, let's all unite and fight right. this thing. Right. And help your healthcare professionals who are getting burnt out. Who are getting burnt out. And I do want to talk more about that. I just have one more question to play the other side. And the question that I hear from those who are hesitant. What I hear a lot is, well, they still don't know enough about the vaccine or about if masks work or don't work or whatever the the other side of it is where you know where there's a lot of opposing opinions so what do you say to people who who say that well masks work right like uh, we were able to flatten that curve you know without 
the vaccination be? Like the curve started flattening before vaccines were available, right? And what were we doing? We were staying home. We were social um, distancing. We were wearing masks, right? And that helped to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. In terms of the vaccinations, if they're effective or not, you know, of course, the research is still being um, brought into light every single day. Um, but these the research has shown that these vaccinations are safe. Um, and I can tell you, as a healthcare professional who takes care of patients every day that I'm at work, I'm seeing a ton of COVID patients. There is, it's like night and day between vaccinated and unvaccinated patients, night and day. I can just say what I do, what I've done. Um, I'm still here. I haven't had any adverse outcomes, you know, that I've seen from the the vaccination, except for it made my arm sore. That hurt. But you know, besides that, like, I'm good. And I and I've not had COVID as a healthcare professional, as somebody in the front lines. I am so um, um, at risk for getting exposed to this infection. And I've not, I've not caught it. And what do I do? You know, of course, I, you know, try to abide by these recommendations. I'm always wearing a mask, you know, whether it's the N95 mask or, you know, regular surgical mask, right? I always have a mask on my face in the hospital and outside of the hospital. Um, I'm at home right now. So, <laughs> you know, um, not at home, but, you know, when I step out of my house, I wear it. I have my kids wearing it. Um, you know, I got my vaccination. Um, just because I wanted to, I wanted to protect my family. Yeah. Right. And, and I and wanted others. to protect my patients. Yeah. What is your biggest fear knowing where we're at right now, looking ahead through the end of the year? Um, what is your biggest fear? Well, as a, as a healthcare professional, my biggest fear is running out of resources. Right. Cause I know what to do, I know how to intervene, right? But what is the use of me intubating you if I don't have a vent to put you on, mm-hmm. right? And I only have so much staff that can like, you know, sit next to you and, and bag you. But what if, the, what about the next patient that comes in, right? You know, it's all about supply and demand. And we know that the supply is limited and the demand can be infinite. You know, there's millions and millions of people, right? But we don't have millions and millions of healthcare professionals working. And we don't have millions and millions of of um, different instruments and materials that we need to really take care of you and, and help save your life, right? So once those resources run out are, are very, very scarce, and we now have to start making decisions about, you know, who gets this last vent? that's terrifying. And that's a position that no healthcare professional ever wants to be in. Um, But that's a position we're going to find ourselves in if we don't flatten the curve. And then the other part of that is also, you know, keeping your medical professionals healthy and, you know, energized, able to work, willing to work, um, which I know is, you know, part of the reasoning for founding Hope for Med. So I want to spend some time talking about Hope for Med, um, which I know started a little over a year ago. And so tell us more about it. So what I realized, um, you know, is that 
we as healthcare professionals, oftentimes our wellness is put on the back burner, right? We have to take care of this patient and that patient. Sometimes we don't even like eat. But the problem with focusing on taking care of others is that, well, yeah, you get burnt out, right? Um, but you know, what about what happens to you and your, your health, right? And your wellness. And so what we tell our patients is, um, you know, I think you should stay in the hospital. You can't breathe. And the patient will say, well, I have, you know, this loved one that I have to take care of. And I'm like, how are you going to take care of this loved one when you cannot breathe yourself, right? Hmm. We need to take care of you. You need to become optimized yourself. And then you can give care to that loved one, right? The time has come where we need to focus on our wellness. We need some kind of resource that allows us to take care of ourselves, allows us, you know, I, I call Hope for Med like a pop-off valve, you know, a place where, where, where healthcare professionals can gather. It's a community of, of our own where we could go and share stories, right, and just release, right, just release some of that, that burden of those experiences and those traumas that we experience day in and day out. There's only so much weight that we can carry before our knees start to buckle. Our knees are starting to buckle. And so hope for med is, the goal of hope for med is to be that, that place where we can help alleviate some of that so that we don't get to a point where our knees buckle so that you know it increases career longevity. And so we started with mental uh, wellness and a focus on mental health because A, there's a huge stigma around that amongst healthcare professionals that needs to be tackled. Um, a huge suicide. stigma around uh, mental health in the healthcare profession? You know, I'll, I'll speak as, as a physician, right? The physician, you are taught when you're going through school um, to exude confidence, right? I mean, no, no patient wants a, a, a physician who, you know, doesn't know what they're, you know, or makes you feel like they don't know what they're doing, right? But that can be detrimental and backfire, right? Because it doesn't just stop there. You know, we continue that in our, in our lives and, and, and everywhere. Um, so that's one one thing. But then number two is that they, they ask about it um, on some of the uh, uh, medical licensing boards. When it comes time to renew your license, they ask about, you know, have you seen a mental health professional, you know? And if so, then sometimes that can, um, prevent it, delay, if not prevent you from being able to renew your medical license. It's unfortunate and it's something that, that Hope for Med is tackling. And how do you tackle stigma? Well, you start by addressing it. You start by naming it and you start by, you know, really having conversations around it. And so the first thing that Hope for Med has created is a podcast. So we have podcasts where I feature healthcare professionals and I share their stories because we all have stories and it's about bringing back the humanity and humanism into medicine. And then we talk about, you know, burnouts and other mental health issues and suicide, which is a big issue amongst healthcare professionals. Um, even more reason why Hope for Med was created. Um, and so anyway, so that's, that's part of my way of trying to tackle the stigma is by having these podcasts and having these conversations, you know, as I, you know, create the rest of the, the Hope for Med offerings. Awesome. Do you know, I know you mentioned suicide, um, and I've heard that before. I don't know too much about how much that affects the 
um, healthcare professionals. Do you do you know offhand? I don't know if there's a statistic or kind of just how many, how widely it affects suicide affects healthcare professionals. Every year, between three hundred and four hundred physicians die by suicide. Hmm. It's the size of a medical school class, and that was pre-COVID numbers. And you don't hear that in the news. You know, you see that in the literature. Um, it's been an ongoing issue for 20 plus years. Um, so, you know, the concern is what's going to happen, you know, after COVID, um, which is why something like Hope for Med is all the more important to really be able to be that resource for, you know, my colleagues, you know, to let them know that, yeah, we're going through a hard time, but we're all in this together. And it's not just in the U.S., you know, it's an international community. And I would imagine this resource and hope for med is so important even right now as we are going through this pandemic and just not knowing when the end will be. You know, it's when you go through trying time that you really are able to really forge relationships and, and forge bonds. And, you know, COVID is a trying time, you know, for, for everyone, including healthcare professionals because we're not immune, you know, again, we, we're getting sick also, we're dying also, um, but we're right. still coming back, many of us, to keep fighting. Is there something that, whether it's in the support groups and the other medical professionals you come across um, who are nearing burnout and really feeling the impact and the weight of everything that is going on, that you can say, hey, this is one This is one thing that you can implement in your, your day-to-day life that will help bring you some sense of wellness? I think, you know, for me, I've really um, um, embraced the practice of gratitude. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's so powerful because even in your darkest moments, you could find something to be grateful for. My daughter hugged me and I love her hugs, right? You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, I made, I, I won the lottery. I got a million dollars, right? It's really focusing on those small things that really can help make you feel like you can, you can do another day. You can face another day. You can do this again tomorrow, really. It's just looking for those, those, those things and, and encompassing a, a practice of gratitude in your life. Have you taken a step back, a moment to take a step back personally and really process everything that you've been through in the last 18 months? You know, I think um, the creation of, of Hope for Med has really helped me do that, right? Because I, I took it from an idea, you know, and brought it forward and, you know, through thinking of creating this, this company, A, it takes me away from work. Right, because I'm still working full time as an emergency medicine doctor. Um, but when I'm not working, you know, allows me to to utilize my brain and, and other creative spheres. It's me reflecting on my day to day experiences and reflecting with others on their day to day experiences, and that's how I'm creating this company. Um, you know, it's a healthcare professional living it, breathing it. That's creating this company for for us. Well, I really appreciate that. And, and the work that you're doing, I know that it's much needed. And tell everyone where they can connect with you, learn more about Hope for Med, follow Hope for Med, all the, all the social media website stuff. <laughs> Hope, H-O-P-E, the number four, and then med, M-E-D.com 
is our website. And from there, you can um, listen to all the podcasts that we've created and read up on terms of you know, what we're doing um, from that website. You'll also have access to all of our social media sites. We, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, and again, it's, it's Hope for Med, um, LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, and, and YouTube. Um, you know, I, I go by Dr. JB. And so um, YouTube has a Dr. JB channel on there if you want to see me and, and hear me and, you know, listen on, and on YouTube. I've also in, included videos on gratitude that I try to do monthly because mm-hmm. I think it's really important. And like you said, um, it is something that everyone can benefit from, not just healthcare professionals. Um, it's beneficial for all people. Absolutely. And I'll make sure to link to all those social media links, website and everything below in the show notes, YouTube as well, so that people can easily find them. And, um, you know, I really just look forward to I'm excited to have the opportunity to share your story. And again, thank you for being who you are and doing what you do to save lives. Thank you. I'm honored to be here on your show. And, you know, thank you so much for taking that time to have this conversation with me. Dr. JB really opened my eyes to some new information, statistics, data experiences that I just didn't know about when it comes to medical professionals, pre-pandemic and during the pandemic. And truly, I thank her for all of her service, her work, for risking her life and the safety of herself and her family to help all of us, as well as all of the other medical professionals. They need really so much support, love, and help to get through this challenging time. So make sure you go ahead and just even offer encouraging words or connect below with Dr. JB, Hope for Med, and maybe share it with a medical professional if you are not one yourself. And hey, as I say every week, if you aren't already also connected with me, make sure you do that as well. I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. But of course, I'd love for you to subscribe right there on YouTube, turn on notifications, and that way you won't miss us next week because we're back each and every week. And I know I'm going to see you next week. So until then, stay happy, stay healthy.